Aren't you glad he still saves the sinner this morning? We're glad to see you. Thank you for coming out on a Sunday morning. Let's all grab our handbooks, stand to our feet now. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Brother Ken, you come on. Amen. Page number 55 in your blue songbook this morning. When the roll is called up yonder, we'll sing all three verses. Hymn number 55 today. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. morning give us a big amen. amen we're glad to see i'm going to ask brother tim to open us up in prayer before he does let me give you some quick prayer requests this morning I want you to please pray for uh, brother earl arthur brother earl had a uh, knee replacement earlier this week he's at stanley town he's doing great able to see him uh, this week, and he's laughing, cutting up, joking, having a good time there at stanley town i, I when I spoke to him uh, uh, this weekend, I said brother brother arthur I don't think I've ever seen somebody so happy to be in, in a nursing home. He said, brother, I'm just happy to be alive. Amen. Love that attitude, but you pray for him if you would. Pray for Sister Susan Atkins. Um, uh, most of you understand and know that Susan has been a long time on a liver transplant list and just a matter of days now, if not hours, before the Lord takes her home. So please pray for Sister Susan Atkins. Remember, Sister Nadine, you go for a kidney uh, stone bust-up procedure, amen, this week. Pray for Sister Nadine. And then I want to ask you to really please be much in prayer for Brother Larry Biggs. I shared downstairs in my Sunday school this morning. Brother Larry's in a uh, rough place right now. Uh, intestinally, he's got some significant issues. Uh, hasn't eaten in almost a week. So play, please, please pray for Brother Larry. Uh, just the Lord would touch him. And uh, pray for Sister Pam as she travels back and forth. I had... A, Tons of requests downstairs up here this morning. One of our church members shared that a nine-month-old, uh, nine-week-old great niece has got to have surgery. Just lots of things that folks are going through. 
But can we just pause a few moments and go to the throne room and put all of that aside and just come worship for a little bit today? I don't know about you, but I'd sure like to hear from heaven this morning. Amen. Brother Tim, you open us up in prayer if you would, please. Let's go to the throne room of grace this morning. Brother Tim. My gracious Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for this building and for what it means to us, God, a place to come and worship you, a place to just set the world aside for a while and just come in and wait on your presence, Lord, an opportunity to just worship. Pray, God, for each prayer request that was mentioned this morning, Lord, you know every need, you know what everyone is going through, God, and we pray that your will be done in each situation. If it were our will, Lord, everyone would be healed and it would all be good. But, God, we just ask that your will be done. We ask, God, that you will touch the families of each individual that is suffering this morning, Lord, and help them to be the help that they need to be. Again, God, we thank you for the chance we have to be here this morning. Pray, God, that you will show up here this morning, Lord. Be with the singing. Be with Brother Greg as he brings the word this morning, Lord. Just give him the boldness to speak what we need to hear. God, if we come this morning and you're not here with us, we're kind of just wasting our time, Lord, and we pray that your presence is here today. Lord, that you will just let everyone just set aside everything that they're going through this week. Lord, that they'll just look to you, that you'll open our hearts and prepare them for the word. And God, if there's one person here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, we pray, God, that you will just convict them, that you'll not let them leave this building this morning without coming to your saving grace. I thank you, God, for loving me, one of the most undeserving sinners there ever was. I thank you, God, for a salvation that is just eternal. I pray, God, that you will just be with us. I pray, God, that you will just allow us to love on you this morning, Lord. Worship you. Just call out and cry to you today, God. I thank you, Lord, for all you do. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. This is a song that we used to sing a long time ago, kind of put it aside and just picked it back up a few weeks ago. I want to encourage you as the choir sings to reflect back on your life, how good God's been to you, how he's taken care of every need, supplied you for everything that you could ever possibly want or ask. He's been a good God. You listen now as the choir sings, Every Need Supplied.
them to go back and sing the first verse and second verse to this song this morning. Let me ask you, how many of you are glad he supplied every one of your needs? God has spoken to you, and you want to make your way to the altar. You come on this morning. we got a lot of visitors, and you're in your father's house if you know the Lord. So make yourself at home. Brother Scott, sing it, buddy.
Andy, I'm sorry. You know, you just got to love me and learn. Amen. Past is a promise. Never pay. When you reflect back over the life of your past, you are reminded that God keeps every one of his promises. You are also reminded that he has never failed you. Seems to become the theme this morning. Didn't intend on it being that way, but I believe it's become that. God's never one time let you down. Never one time turned you loose. And my favorite reality about our Lord is though we walk away from him, he never walks away from us. You listen as Brother Scott sings beautiful song, Past is a Promise.
a promise that he is all that we need. Thank you for being here this morning. I got some quick announcements uh, to let you know some of the things that are going on today. First of all, this one is not in your bulletin, but we're going to move forward with it on Wednesday night. This coming Wednesday night, uh, we'll do our annual trunk or treat. I should have put that in the bulletin already, and my apologies for that. Uh, for our kids, we always have a good time after the services. We dismiss at 8 o'clock, and then we invite you as a, a church family to bring some candy here for a safe place the kids to go trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treating. Or when we were kids, you had a pretty safe place, but you understand neighborhoods aren't safe like they are anymore. Uh, so uh, we set that up here in our congregation. We encourage the little ones to come dressed uh, in their favorite Halloween attire. We ask you to kind of stay away from the scary stuff because of our little ones, and this is church after all. But we do have a good time on Wednesday night. If you want to decorate your car, you're welcome to do that, but come with some candy. You don't have to decorate your car. Last year, I had a few folks say, Preacher, I ought to come, but I didn't have my stuff decorated. Just come with candy. Amen. The kids will love you for it. Uh, and they'll have a good time on Wednesday night as uh, we will dismiss the adults a few minutes uh, before 8 o'clock so that they can go outside and get ready as the kids get dismissed right at 8 o'clock to come out and have a good opportunity for a safe environment. So remember that on Wednesday night if you would. Also, uh, because of our continuing with our Christmas drama, we got to change the schedule just a little bit. We are practicing, folks, uh, scenes one through four today, and there won't be evening services tonight. Lord willing, we're going to be able to do that next Sunday night, pick up again with our evening services. But I think I've said to you a couple times, uh, this play is entirely different. Uh, it's taking a lot of time for us to get it together, but it's going to be spectacular. You will richly, richly be blessed by it. So please help us out with that if you would. Don't forget the Operation Christmas Child boxes. Those are due Wednesday, November the 8th. That's a week from Wednesday. And again, if you can add your shipping costs, wonderful. If not, we will surely take care of that. Then I want to take just a moment and say a big thank you to everyone for the wonderful services last Sunday as you honored us for pastor appreciation. As always, I was humbled uh, by your uh, kindness to my family. I have to self-correct. I inadvertently down there said I'd been pastoring for 17 years. I've been pastoring for 16 years and have started on my 17th year. Preacher, what's the big deal? I'm of the age now where I don't want any more years added on. Amen. We were at an event yesterday for the college. In fact, it was at the Speedway. They gave a very nice uh, donation. I was there to accept that on behalf of the college. And I was in my baseball cap, jeans, like everybody else. In fact, I'm walking out, and Renee says, Honey, you're not going to wear a suit. I said, Baby, we're going to the Speedway. Well, I'm leaving, and uh, one of the folks that I've known a long time looked at me and did, did, did a double take, and and uh, uh, he and his wife said, Dr. Hodges, I've never seen you in a baseball cap. And uh, his wife said, you look 20 years younger. I said, Renee, you were never seeing me take this thing off again. Amen. If only she had said 20 pounds lighter. Shut up, Ken. Amen. We'd have been in business. But thank you for your kindness uh, displayed to me and my family. Brother Ken, as always, and his family, we are so honored and grateful for what you do for us on Pastor Appreciation. This one is not in your bulletin, but I want to share this with you. Uh, we're taking a senior citizen trip, uh, a Wolf House uh, uh, Christmas, back up to the uh, dinner theater in Withful. It will be on November the 30th. We will depart here at 9.30 a.m. Uh, lots of activities. This is all out in the area there. And you need, do they need to sign up, Miss Billy? No, yep, sign up there. And uh, $44 per person is due by November 5th. If you'll give that to Sister Upchurch or to Brother Upchurch, we're looking forward to that. Again, that's senior citizens, ages 55 and up. 
or if you are married to a senior citizen age 55 or up, I do, <laughs> look up here at me, I do not want to, I, look up here at me. <laughs> She looked, she whispered to me, she said, shut up. <laughs> so you put your names down, and we'll have a good time together on November the 30th. Uh, all kinds of gospel music displayed that are our, 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 our feature on the uh, uh, Wolf House Christmas, and you will be richly. We went with them uh, when they did their first trip to the dinner theater, and it was spectacular. Wonderful meal, great environment. So keep that in mind. Uh, we're looking for that for that for our senior saints. Uh, all right, let me get all the little ones. Come on and make your way up here, if you would. All the little ones, make your way up. We're going to uh, have our penny march this morning. If you uh, uh, have any nickels, dimes, quarters, come on, guys. Come on right up here onto the stage. Look at there, big guy. Quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies, dollar bills, whatever you want to give, we will surely take it this morning. Go, go ahead, folks.
so much as always for your gifts for our ladies' ministries. Uh, we appreciate your generosity. Brother, can you come on this morning? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to mess everybody up. I did that last week and about sent people into a tailspin. Fellas, make your way down this morning. Corbin, come get ready to sing. We're glad you're saved this morning. Say amen. We are so honored to be in God's house today. It's always good to be in church, and I appreciate your presence. I'm going to pray, ask God's blessings on the offering. Corbin's going to sing. Lord, we are humbled and honored to be in your house today. Well, we don't take for granted the fact that doors are open. That folks are here this morning ready to hear from heaven. Lord, we are thankful for a church that longs to hear what the Word of God declares for all of us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've provided us to give back that portion which you've blessed us. Bless the offering, Corbin, as he sings now in Christ's name. Amen. That cost a life that paid my way. Death, its price when it flowed down from the cross. My sins were gone. My sins forgot. There's a tried to hide this precious blood that gave me life but in three days he breathed again and he rose to stand in my defense so I come to take To shout and to proclaim that he's coming back for you. There's a blood that sights the blind, that heals the sick, the lonely find. It has the to free the bound as chains they fall upon the ground so pour it out to cleanse my soul and let his liquid glory flow because he Every tear that falls 
precious blood that gave me life but in three days he breathed again and he rose to stand in my defense and so I come to take I'll stand one more time. Bless. One of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs. We owe all of our life to the blood of Jesus Christ. And hymn number 66 this morning at Calvary. We'll sing the first verse and chorus. Have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 66. Thank God for Calvary this morning. Years I spent in vanity.
Romans chapter 12 in your Bibles this morning, please. Romans chapter number 12 this morning. Your Bibles, while you're turning there, everyone who ordered an Operation Christmas Child t-shirt, the ones that said, are you a whosoever, uh, please pick those up today in the teen room after service. Again, those of you that ordered and already paid for an Operation Christmas Child t-shirt, those up today would please. Read an interesting story this week as you're turning to Romans 12. Young uh, lady visited a computer dating service site, met with a matchmaker, and requested the following. She sat down with the matchmaker. She said, I am looking for a spouse. Can you please help me find a suitable one? The matchmaker said, well, what exactly are you looking for? The lady responded, well, I'm not very picky, but here's what I'd like. He needs to be good-looking, polite, humorous, intelligent, sporty, knowledgeable, good at singing, willing to accompany me the entire day at my home during my leisure hour if I don't want to go out. Able to tell me interesting stories when I need a companion for conversation, but understand that when I don't want to hear from him, he needs to be quiet. Matchmaker entered information into the computer and in a matter of moments handed the results to the woman. Very excited, she opened up the paper and was astonished when it said, are you kidding me? You need a TV. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Romans 12, please. Two verses. One and two. Found your place, say amen. All right, but I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Notice that last clause of verse number one, which is your reasonable servant. Goes on to say in verse number two how you do this. Further defining it, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. He gives the results of this work by saying that you may prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? One more time, verse 1. But I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. May present what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Father, thank you for our hearts being blessed by the music this morning. It has prepared us for what is the critical moment of the hour, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. Lord, as we go into this passage today, it is my heartfelt prayer that you would illuminate it, that you would open it up for us, that we may see that which we haven't seen before, Perhaps acknowledge that which we have never heretofore acknowledged and walk out today as believers 
We're prepared to do battle for what will surely be the days ahead, battle with our enemy. Lord, we acknowledge and understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against high evil, high places. Lord, to do that, we need to be fortified. We need to be ready for the attacks that will surely come our way. Lord, at the same time, we need to present ourselves this, what Paul writes, as a living sacrifice. Lord, it's my desire this morning, it's my prayer, it's my plea that all of us as believers would understand today what it means to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. Lord, you've told us that's our reasonable service. Lord, I'll conclude today by saying if there is anyone in the building this morning that has never been gloriously born again, they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that this would be the day that the Spirit would convict and that they would answer the call to impart upon their lives today. We love you. Most of all, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. A few of you were perhaps with us on, went on five years ago, right slightly after we'd merged, on Wednesday nights, we went verse by verse through the book of Romans. When we got to Romans 12, I made a statement that I'm going to make again five years later, which is simply this. There is no other passage in Scripture, no two verses in Scripture that are as important to the believer as Romans 12 verses one and two. They stand out like a glowing neon sign for the child of God that says, here's your direction. I recognize that oftentimes in our lives, we may not know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's just around the bend. We don't know what the next week, month, year entails. But there are elements of the Christian walk where God gives very clearly in bold black and white letters, do this do this, do this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are those glowing neon signs. You see, in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul has focused on the need of salvation, the provision of salvation, the result of salvation, the scope of salvation. But in chapter 12, he switches gears and begins to discuss some very practical matters about how we live every single day as a child of God. One of my great fears as a pastor, one of my great heartaches, if you will, one of the things that keeps me up at night as a pastor is I have no desire to come on a Sunday morning and just entertain you. Please don't misunderstand me. I want what I share to be entertaining. I want you to laugh. I want you to smile. I want you to cry if necessary. I want you to get what I'm saying. But do you understand and acknowledge that an entertaining message that does not go with us out the back door is really sounding brass and tinkling cymbals? Entertainment is not why we're here. I've shared this with you on many occasions. It is my desire not to preach to you a good sermon, but it is my desire to deliver a word from God that you can feast on and will change your day-to-day walk as a child of God. You see, church, sad reality is 
it is possible to be saved and not be in love with the Lord. Please don't say amen to the next statement. Because likewise, it is possible to be married and not be in love with your spouse. And the relationship between us and God are very similar to that which is described as the relationship between a spouse and a partner. You can amen this because it is foundational, what I'm about to say. God did not save us for us to end up back in the same pig pen that he brought us out of. He didn't save us for us to be wallowing back in the mire that he brought us out of. Sad, simple reality is there are far too many believers today live one way on Sunday, altogether different the rest of the week. These two verses tell us that holy living is expected. These two verses tell us that holy living is expected. Paul concludes verse number one by saying that this expectation is our reasonable service. In other words, what's being asked of us is not illogical or unreasonable. It's fair. When we reflect back on what God has done for us, uh, it is right and fair and reasonable for him to expect that we live differently than we were when he found us. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to give you a message, in fact, two messages this week and next week, that is entitled, Our Reasonable Service. I want to make a very simple statement that I hope will undergird what I share this morning and next week. Perhaps the most important thing I'll say is simply this. You will never live a holy life by accident. The devil won't let it happen. You will never accidentally live a holy, acceptable life by God. Our reasonable service involves some very clear elements. Elements that Paul gives us chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to give you one of them today. And two of them next week. And I'll start by saying yet one more time, these three things, one today, two next week, that Paul shares are things about which we must be intentional, deliberate, and defined because they will not happen by accident. How do we live a holy life? How do we live a life that's pleasing to God? It's founded upon three principles. Clearly illuminated by Paul. Number one, the one we'll share throughout the morning this morning, we must understand that our worship of God is foundational to a holy life. Let me phrase that a different way. You'll never live a holy life unless you are correctly worshiping God. Now, when I use that statement, worshiping God, there are far too many people who believe what I'm talking about is what happens here on a Sunday morning. Would you listen to me carefully regarding this church? It's critically important that you understand this. Worshiping here on a Sunday morning is very, very important. It prepares us for the week. But if this is all the worship you get, you'll never be able to withstand Satan. 
if the limit of your worship is what we do for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning, you will never be able to withstand the fiery darts of your enemy. I want you to look at the way this first verse is actually structured because it unfolds for us what Paul says is our reasonable service. In fact, the very word reasonable comes from the same word that we translate into logic. So what Paul is saying is that when we yield our bodies, that's what he's talking about, make no mistake, when we yield our bodies over to the yielding power of the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is logical. There's the word service. Paul says it is our reasonable service. And that word service means to perform a sacred sacrifice. It brings to reference the function of the Levites in the tabernacle, in the temple. It is connected to the very idea of worship. Sacrifice in the Old Testament equated with worship. Please get this. In order for us to properly worship God, we must present our bodies a living sacrifice. Please understand that this morning, church. In order for us to truly worship God, we must present our flesh, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. What does all of that mean? Let's dive into verse number one this morning. You'll note with me, number one, the call. The call. When you look at what Paul addresses or how he writes verse number one, there are a couple of words that I want to call to your attention. He says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren. I beseech ye therefore, brethren. Two words that I want us to look at in that clause, the word brethren and the word beseech. You understand that the word brethren means uh, Paul is speaking to those who are spiritually related to him. He is speaking to those uh, who already know the Lord, who have acknowledged the Lord. Uh, so I submit to everyone this morning uh, that most of what I'm going to share today is meant for believers. It is meant for those of us who know God. It is meant for those of us who have been gloriously born again uh, by the power uh, of the Spirit of God. Uh, but I want to pause just a moment and say, if you've never been saved, uh, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, today is your day of salvation. Uh, today can be the day uh, that He sends the Spirit of God to convict your heart, uh, and you answer that call, uh, and for one and done, ask Jesus Christ into your heart to save you. If you've never been saved... I wouldn't walk out of here until you get that right. Brethren, says, for everybody else that's been saved, this message is for us. Paul says, I beseech you. I venture to say that most everybody in the building knows that the word beseech means to beg. Paul says, Roman believer, I am begging you to listen to what I'm about to say. Child of God, living for the Lord, doing your best day in and day out, I am pleading with you. It is important uh, that you get uh, what I'm about to say, so says Paul. I'll pause a moment and say this. 
The things that I'm going to share this morning in the message have fallen out of favor in most churches today. But just because they're falling out of favor doesn't mean that God has changed his opinion about it. Just because far too few preachers today uh, preach about living a holy life, uh, far too few preachers today preach against sin, uh, far too few preachers today preach about the importance uh, of being different from the rest of the world, uh, does not mean that God has yanked it out of the book. It is still very plainly there uh, that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. The call. But notice, not only do you see the call, I want you to notice the challenge. We have alluded to it repeatedly. We'll say it one more time. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. You write in your Bible, I encourage you to underline, circle, score, put a big star around that word bodies. Because it simply means our flesh. It means our physical humanity. How many of you will amen me that your flesh still gives you fits? Amen. For those of you that didn't amen, you're lying. I don't care if you've been saved one week, one month, 10 years, or 75 years. You battle your flesh. Your flesh, Paul says, causes you to do things you don't want to do. Causes you to not do things that you know you ought to do. Paul, I think the greatest Christian that ever lived, saved Jesus Christ, who himself was divine. Paul writes, I die daily. He says that I have to crucify my flesh. He writes about the fact that that crucifixion of the flesh is absolutely required to be pleasing. In our body, flesh, or present, literally means to place at one's disposal. So when Paul says to the Roman believer, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what he is literally saying is to every believer that when we become gloriously saved, when we become radically born again, that our commandment is to yield to very God himself the very bodies in which we dwell. Listen to me very carefully. That goes against humanistic theology and humanistic uh, uh, philosophy that is rampant in the world today. The world today says if it feels good, do it. The world today says if you think it, be it. The world today says uh, if your emotions give it to you, then it must be okay. May I pause a moment and declare unequivocally, just because you think it, uh, just because you feel it, does not mean it's right. Paul says to the Christian, give your bodies over to God. There are many of us like to give some and keep some back. There are many of us who say, God, I'll give you A, B, C, but I'm going to keep D. You can have E, F, and G, but Lord, you know I got to have H, I, J. Because if I don't have that, I just won't be able to make it. That's not presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. There are those of us who like to give it over to God on Sunday and try to do the right thing on Sunday. But come Monday, we're right back in the muck and the mire that God saved us out of. That is not presenting our body. Living sacrifice. See, folks. When we present our bodies a living sacrifice, 
we cannot take it back and use it for ourselves and for our own pleasure. You see, God doesn't want just a little bit. He wants it all. May I pause a moment and say, he deserves it all. God didn't give us just a little bit. Please say amen to that. He gave us everything. Gave us the very best that he has to offer. And from us, he deserves the best that we have to offer. Paul, challenge. Please note number three, the call. I love that Paul uses this phrase, chapter 12, because it connects back to the verse 11 chapters that what he's been talking about. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Really understand that. To really wrap your brain around it, you need to go back and read the first 11 chapters of Romans. Because it, in it, Paul gives a very thorough discussion about the why of salvation, the who of salvation, the way of salvation. And he juxtaposes that in chapter 12 by reminding us that we are who we are because of the mercy and grace of God. What do you mean, pastor? Can I say to you this morning, you have a house to live in? Not because of what you've done, it's by the grace and mercy of God. Did you drive a car to church this morning? Got up and turned the key and it cranked? It ain't because of your mechanical ability or aptitude, it's because of the grace and mercy of God. Have a job that pays your bills, you might not like it, it might not be your best job ever, it might not be your dream job, but it does what it needs to do to put food on the table, clothes on your back, and keep your belly fed. You have it this morning because of the grace and mercies of God. We are what we are because of God's grace. You are who you are because of God's grace. May I pause just a moment and say that challenge, uh, that call, uh, that calls this morning is so crystal clear. Uh, we may ask uh, why God would think that he could control every aspect of our lives. Uh, the reason is very simple. He bought us at Calvary uh, and we belong to him. Say that one more time. He bought us at Calvary and we belong to to him. We live in a society today that dwells on its rights. My rights. What I we're even changing our history today to accommodate our rights. Let me let you in on a little secret for the child of God. We ain't got no rights. God purchased us. And to the Corinthian church that tried to live in its own sinful sexuality and proclaim the name of Christ, Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God and you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So I will be blunt this morning. Our rights don't matter. Our sinful fleshly desires are not what matters. What matters is what he did for us on an old rugged cross. Shed his precious blood. That you and I be glorious. Challenge. Pause. Call. You understand 
prior to our salvation, church, didn't care a thing about God. But may I remind you that it was because of his grace and mercy reached out to you, convicted you, pulled you to himself. You, by his marvelous grace, answered that call and became a brand new creature. Christ. All oh, the challenge, the cause. Number four, uttered it over and over and over again, consecration. What is it that God's asking for? What is it that Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is demanding? He is saying that we are to present these bodies a living sacrifice. Now, I'll stop a moment and acknowledge the fact that that kind of sounds dreadfully painful. Most of us, when we think about sacrifice, we go back to the Old Testament economy. We think about Bible times where an animal that belonged to a person was offered and that that animal was put to death, its blood was shed, and the flesh was burned upon the altar. That is a painful process indeed. The difference between what the Lord is calling us to do and what he had the Old Testament believers do is this. In the Old Testament, their sacrifice was to die. Ours is a living one. Our sacrifice is not a dead sacrifice. Our sacrifice is a life being lived for God. But don't misunderstand me. It's still costly. It's still painful. And it's still necessary. God is commanding. Listen now. God is commanding every believer, every child of God, to lay the totality of their flesh on the altar. Now, just to make sure we're all on the same page, that does not mean that we're to spend all of our time, every waking moment, on our knees at the altar in prayer. Because you understand that this sacrifice, this body must continue to function in the world around it. I think that is sometimes where preachers go amiss. We give this idea that to be holy means you got to be in church 24-7. They give this idea that to be holy means that we have somehow got to distance ourselves and separate ourselves, that we can't be in the world, that we can't function in the world, but nothing could be further from the truth. Paul even goes on to say, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. What does that living sacrifice mean? Give you three quick thoughts about what I believe and I think what Scripture teaches defines a living sacrifice. A living, continuously, unstopping sacrifice means that we are always on the altar. I don't mean this altar. It means simply this, church. Regardless of where we are, regardless of who we're with, we are to remember... That this body belongs to God. You relinquished your rights to it the day you accepted his free gift of salvation. Let me say that again. You relinquished your rights to your flesh the day you accepted the free gift of salvation and his blood purchased you. You are not your own now. Teenager, wherever you are, Whoever you're with, 
You're not your own. Bought with a price. Mamas and daddies, wherever you are, whoever you're with, you don't have the right to live any old way you want to. You're bought with a price. Grandmas and grandpas and young people and old people and red and yellow, black and white and green and orange and purple polka dotted. You do not have the right to live any way you want to. You are bought with a price. Most precious price there's been. It's not silver or gold. Perfect. Living sacrifice is always on the altar. Quickly, number two, a living sacrifice uh, is, uh, is one that, that is constant and continuous. It does not mean that it happens from time to time on Sundays. It is every single day. I, I, I'm just going to be real catty for a moment. I'm going to be real curt for a moment. God, deliver us from believers uh, who will stand up and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus on Sunday and live like the devil Monday through Saturday. May I be blunt and say uh, that is doing more for the cause of Christ to damage it uh, than we can ever hope to unrepair. What do you mean, preacher? Uh, when you tell folks that you're a child of God uh, and you stand up or we stand up and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, uh, and then we give ourselves over to the flesh Monday through Saturday, uh, what the world looks at and says, uh, If that's a Christian, I don't want none of that nonsense. There are lost people. Let's just keep on being cart for a moment. There are lost people today who live far better than those that claim to know Jesus Christ. I'll say again, that causes more damage than we can ever hope to undo. Living sacrifice. One that's always on the altar. One that's constant and continuous. Living sacrifice is one that places its own desires under the authority and leadership of God. Let's be clear, folks. Your flesh has its own desire. Your flesh wants its own way. Your flesh wants to do what feels good. Your flesh wants to do things its way. But you look at me and you get this very clearly. A living sacrifice is one that does just as Paul says, crucifies the flesh and realizes that I don't have the right to do that because God saved me. Not even in the Christian house, I can't. Living sacrifice, Paul says. He beseeches us, he begs us. And I will say one more time, the sacrificed body sees itself as the temple of God. It realizes that God must be in control of the will, the emotions, the passions, the deeds, the thoughts. And I will repeat yet again for good measure, just because we think it, just because we feel it, doesn't mean it's right. Paul, challenge that calls the consecration. Finally, in the condition. The wonderful things about our God is he leaves very little to question. Challenge you this morning to go to the book of Leviticus. And you will see sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice where God gives very clear instruction. He tells us the animal. He tells us how it's to be sacrificed. He tells us the reasons for the sacrifice. He tells us how the blood's to be captured, where it's to be placed. He does leave nothing to chance. He answers every question, and I'll stop and say he does the very same thing for us in this case as well. How does he define it? 
How does he define this sacrifice? As it's holy. He defines a body, a flesh that is sacrificed to God as what does that mean? It means something akin to sanctified, separate, consecrated, set apart. It means all inspired. Think back with me for just a moment to a couple of sacrifices in the Old Testament that were all. Think with me to Elijah on Mount Carmel. Let me set the stage for you as a quick reminder. Hour upon hour, the prophets of Baal have danced, they've hollered, they've screamed, they've cut themselves, uh, they've, made ge- they've made circles uh, around that sacrifice, and nothing has happened. They've pulled their hair out, they've cut themselves, uh, they've gone into all kinds of chaotic frenzy, and absolutely nothing has happened. Elijah steps up. His boys dig a trough. There were trenches dug around the sacrifice. And he says, all right, fellas, next I want you to fill it with water. This is during the time of a three-year drought. You just didn't go turn on the water spigot, and the water comes coming out. Three years of drought now, uh, and water is a scarcity. Uh, water is precious. Uh, and, 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 uh, and Elijah says, boys, fill that up. Love the story of the Sunday school teacher. Well, asked her children, uh, anybody know uh, why Elijah asked for the water on the sacrifice? And one little girl says, oh, Miss Smith, I know. So, okay, make the gravy. Amen. After filling it, he says, douse it again. Remember, hour upon hour, the prophets of Baal could do it. Elijah says, douse the sacrifice with water. You understand that water is supposed to retard the flame. You understand that water is supposed to be a deterrent from fire. But Elijah knew that there was no stopping the power of God. So after digging the trench and filling it with water and filling it a second time, he stands up and he prays and immediately fire from heaven comes down and boom, develops the sacrifice. I can't help but wonder if everyone stood back and spot. That's incredible how that happened. Think with me. The day when Solomon opened the doors on the rebuilt tabernacle. It had been David, his father's dream, to rebuild the tabernacle, but God said no. But he allowed Solomon, this incredibly wealthy man, to build the tabernacle. Gold everywhere, shining, beautiful, spectacular. But none of that mattered. This day, the door was flung open. Shekinah glory of God. Stood. Not gold. Go and preach. Listen carefully. That's exactly what happened. A flesh crucified. Just a second, drunk. Now a Sunday school teacher. That's awe inspired. Think with me. 
to the drug addict that's now a choir member. That's all spot. Think with me to the home that was in disarray, a marriage on the verge of disillusion, and now they're gloriously living for the cause of Christ. That's all inspiring. Think with me to the wayward child who walked away from God. I am one of them and is now doing everything in his power to live for God. That's all inspiring. It says, you see that? Think. Sacrifices to Holy, I think we understand, acceptable. I'll conclude this morning, simple thought. Most of you are aware of the first sacrifice that's ever delivered in Genesis chapter 4. There is a principle of biblical interpretation known as the first mention principle. That means that the characteristics, the situation surrounding the first mention of something in Scripture permeates or carries through the entire Scripture. Think with me now to the first sacrifice that's ever two brothers, Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. I believe that they had been well instructed that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Why, Pastor Greg? How do you know that? Because you understand that at one time we see Cain, uh, Adam and Eve uh, naked. The second time you see them clothed in animal skins. Uh, you don't get animal skins unless out dead animals. Now, Cain and Abel, they were their sacrifice. Cain, the Bible says in chapter 4, delivers the fruit of the field. It probably looks good. It probably smells incredible. It is what he was able to do with his own hands. Uh, and we can step back from that and say, man, that's awesome. Delivers the firstling of his flock. And ugly. Not attractive. I want to be unkind, but it probably stinks. Understand a bloody animal out in the sun doesn't take long before it begins to pain sacrifice. It's what he can do. It's look what I am. Look what I accomplished. Look what I grew. Look what I made. Look what I raised. Look what I put together. Look at all the things that I've done. Abel sacrifice. Cut up bloody animal. God looks at this one. God looks with God says, I reject that one. Except that one looked good. That one was God required. We can stand up on a Sunday morning, sing, preach, teach. You can, you, can, you can recite scripture forward, inside, backwards, out. Uh, but you look at me. Go to work on Monday morning. Pepper your language with four-letter words. Start telling a few little dirty jokes. Everything you just tried to do on Sunday morning is a... Sure, that's unkind. That's What's falling out of favor today? you there for 
by the mercies of God, you present your body living sacrifice acceptable unto God. There's no blood. Worship of God. That's where we start. Come on, Brother Ken. That's where we start. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about what I often define as the real battle today. Battle for the mind. Paul says, second step, after you understand the worship of God, you've got to get to the point where you focus on the renewing of the mind. But listen, church. We can't battle the mind while we're still battling the flesh. Bow your heads with me this morning. Two very quick, simple questions. I preached a little long this morning, and I appreciate your attention, so I'm going to have a quick invitation. I want you to search your heart now. Nobody's looking. I want you to just be honest this morning. Be courageous. How many of you would say, Pastor Greg, I need to work on my flesh? Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. I appreciate your honesty. Truth is, that probably describes 99% of us. Before Brother Ken sings a note, I want to implore you to step out right now. Everybody that raised your hand. Preacher, if I do it, somebody will see. Who cares? They should have raised their hand anyway. Come to this altar. God, I want to crucify my flesh. We're going to talk next week uh, more detail about how to do that. But your first step is to acknowledge, just as Paul did, the simple reality. I have to die every single day. I've got to crucify my flesh. Second question. Anybody in the building this morning, just be honest. Nobody's looking now. Nobody's looking. We'd say, Pastor, my first step is to become a Christian. Not a child of God. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. And I want you to pray for me. I know I'm not going to heaven, but I know I'm not going. I don't want to go to hell. I don't know if I'm going to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Anybody like that this morning? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anyone like that? Brother Ken's going to sing us one verse. Every person that raised your hand, don't wait another second. Step out right now. Brother Ken, come on this morning. Sing for us now. Come on.
Dismiss us in prayer. Drama Team 2.30 will be here all afternoon and evening. So keep that in mind if you would. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer. Fellowship with each other. Thank you for being here this morning. Brother Ken. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we want to thank you for touching our pastor this morning, God, and delivering us.